Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to Home Energy Design. I'm your host, Amanda Gates. And today I'm sharing part two of my interview with Karen Newell that we started with last week. So Karen is co-author of Living in a Mindful Universe and also the co-founder of Sacred Acoustics. And if you haven't already, be sure to go over to their website, sacredacoustics.com and check them out. I've been listening to a lot of sound therapeutic uh, CDs and uh, meditations and things like that. A lot of them over the years started out myself with Kelly Howe back in the 90s. And this is by far... Uh, some of the most sophisticated um, sound technology I've ever heard, and it's it's pretty profound stuff, so make sure you check them out. But in their book, uh, Karen Newell and Dr. Eben Alexander, they wrote this book called Living in a Mindful Universe, and together they take you on a scientific journey into consciousness. And while exploring many topics like scientific materialism, spirituality, soul lessons and free will, none of the chapters were more powerful to me than chapter seven. It's called the power of prayer. And it was by far my favorite chapter because it was a perfect story heading into this weekend where we are celebrating our mothers. And I want to take this moment, take this time to wish every mama out there a happy mama's day. Um, because you all are warriors in all that you do for your kids and, and just the planet in general. So thank you and happy Mama's Day. But I am sure I mentioned last week, I don't know, I've been so damn sick. Um, but what I've done is I've devoted the entire month of May as the gratitude month where I'm turning this into um, the month of gratitude. And the reason that I put Karen in this month, we actually recorded a couple of months ago, but she was really the reason that I decided to make the month of May the gratitude month because I was so inspired by chapter seven from living in a mindful universe. In that chapter, um, it's just, it's got this amazing story of a friend of hers, Allison, and I was so inspired by this chapter that in my new book, Feng Shui for the Soul, which I'm still writing, I created a chapter also called The Power Behind Prayer and Devotion. And to me, it was a great reminder that we're all connected and that, you know, every action that we take matters. You know, everything that we do towards other people, it matters. And that at the end of the day, we should lead with our hearts, not our, you know, egoic emotions, but with our hearts, with love. And in chapter seven, Karen shares this amazing story about her friend, Allison Lee Sugg, who is a mama. And after giving birth to her second child, she starts to hemorrhage. And her doula realizes, oh my God oh my God, she's hemorrhaging, she's about to die. And during this, Allison has a near-death experience where she floats above her body and she comes basically in contact with this amazing divine being. And they start having a conversation and she's given a choice. She can stay in this amazing place where it's unconditional love and beautiful and amazing, or she's made aware that the entire ER below her, where currently she feels nothing, the entire ER has stopped what they are doing and they are praying on her behalf. I was so moved to tears by this story that I read it 
and I read it again. I, in fact, I read it numerous times because it was so powerful and it just proves that, well, one, it's life-changing, right? To hear that we have this kind of power, but it proves, it proves that you hold the very power and the energy necessary to create change in your own life. You just have to ask and you just have to connect with your heart. It's pretty freaking rad, right? I think it's pretty cool. All right, real quick. Nothing like switching major gears from a life-altering story of, you know, amazing prayer to shit that's going on in the office. But I got to share it with you. Uh, Feng Shui 101 for Beginners, our online class, is open for registration until next Wednesday. So if you're on the fence about doing this and, you know, you're ready to go, be sure to do it. The doors close next Wednesday. All you got to do is head on over to the website, gatesinteriordesign.com. There is a button right on the homepage, right at the top. All you got to do is click on that and you can sign up. If you are going to be in the Nashville area or maybe you live here in Nashville, I'm going to be teaching a class on May 19th at Half Moon Yoga. Uh, that's on a Sunday. I think we're starting class around three o'clock. Um, but I'm going to teach you how to read the shui of your floor plan. So they're located at 101 International Drive um, here in Franklin, but you can also go to their website. That's where you have to sign up is halfmoonyoga.net. So if you're interested in that, that's where you go. Also, don't forget to check out, um, I think I mentioned this last week. I don't know. I was kind of in a, a drug-induced state last week because of my cold, but I've put together a new eco webpage. Um, you can find that at gatesinteriordesign.com forward slash let's chat eco. I'm gifting all of you all of the lists that I put in the eco book, Easy Everyday Habits to Be More Eco-Friendly. I have a full-blown list of random acts of sustainability. This is where you can uh, donate your products more intentionally rather than just dumping them off at Salvation Army or dumping them at Goodwill. There are very specific places that need very specific things. And so I've got a list of over 100 items uh, that can be intentionally donated. And the list is growing weekly. And I've also got a list on there for conscious consumerism. And I'm these are both free. I've got um, two lists that are being updated weekly. So, you know, if you have no interest in buying the book, you can at least access these two sheets um, that are growing weekly uh, for free resources. So I encourage all of you, this is the time is now. We have to do this, right? You've heard me <laughs> talk about it on this podcast again and again and again. And let me tell you, spirit is loud and clear that this is what I need to be doing. In fact, today I went to the grocery store early this morning and I was at the red light and there was a landscaping truck uh, next to me, parked next to me, and it said, get to work, earthworks. And I was like, okay. And then I looked at the car in front of me. I can't make this stuff up. And the license plate said, conserve more. So <laughs> there's your message, Amanda, for the day. So I'm supposed to be getting this, this, you know, eco message out and hopefully inspiring, not being too preachy, but inspiring all of you to start um, looking at your habits a little bit more closely and, and getting a little bit more eco-friendly. All righty. Today, Karen and I are going to talk about the power of prayer. We're going to talk about sacred acoustic. We're going to talk about sacred acoustics and how it can help you. Meditation and how to grow your heart field to grow in gratitude. It's going to be rad, y'all. Let's do it. I adore the fact that Dr. Alexander has all this amazing, you know, education and all that blah 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 but i loved your parts and and you know everything because i'm a woo <laughs> but my my favorite favorite chapter in the whole book was chapter seven and it's the power of prayer and um i mean it took me uh when i was right when i was reading her name was allison lee sugg i think is how you pronounce it um, basically the story in chapter seven is, um, she had a, a birth doula and she's having a baby and something happens. And I don't really understand. I didn't really understand what happened, but, um, she had to get rushed to the hospital and, um, 
Dr. Christensen, I guess they're in the ER and they realize that she's hemorrhaging and, and if they don't do something, she's going to die. And she had just given birth and um, it was just beautiful because the, the scene, the way you guys wrote it was just pure chaos was going on in the ER and pure chaos is happening. And then all of a sudden, Dr. Christensen just says, stop, everybody stop what you're doing. We're going to pray. And at this point, I'm bawling. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the most beautiful story ever. And I was just so proud that a doctor, you know, I just assume they're all materialists. I just assume that, you know, they're, they're, they all think that we, when we die, we die. And um, what I thought was so beautiful about the story is, is that Allison has a near-death experience and goes over to the other side. She's talking to a, a supreme light being. And she's made aware, you can stay, however, you know, you have responsibilities and you need to go back. And, and she's made aware that this group is praying over her. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, there are people out there that think that prayer does not matter. And I just loved that story because I thought that it really solidified that the spiritual things that you do and the intentions that you set forth do matter and she was made aware of that and that is ultimately what brought her back yes she, she could actually hear the prayers she felt them in her ear she could hear them she just i'm actually the one she told that story to i met her at an event that we were uh, uh presenting at and she told me this amazing story and so i thought it was perfect for our prayer book because it included a doctor and, you know, it's so interesting because Dr. Alexander, you know, we're a couple, but I call him Dr. Alexander just to remind people. <laughs> but uh, Evan is a neurosurgeon. And what's so interesting is that so many doctors are kind of more open to this sort of thing, yet, but they don't talk about it. They keep it to themselves. And one thing that, that uh, he has been able to do is some of these doctors have come out of the woodwork and they're communicating with him. Others are writing their own books now. They're becoming more brave uh, to come out. Most of them do it after they retire from clinical practice or after they're not associated with an academic institution. But there are, a few, uh, there are a few practicing doctors who are writing books. One of them is Anna Youssef. She's the psychiatrist. Uh, who is doing our pilot study. She's an act active psychiatrist. and I've had her on the show. You had Anna, yes. So she wrote that book, Fulfilled. And then there's another doctor. His name is, um, I, think, I think you pronounce it, Noam Naeem. And he is from Canada. He's an internal medicine guy actively practicing. And I think he has a specialty in pulmon pulmonology, pulmonology, whatever, pulmon pulmonary uh, stuff lungs <laughs> because we talked about when i met him we talked about uh the asthma that my daughter had suffered as well um and actually it's interesting in the book that i wrote that you don't have yet is uh that actually it was asthma medication was my daughter's gateway drug when she was a little child and was using her asthma inhaler she was getting high and i did not even realize it until much later she didn't even realize either so we put it all together so it's so you know just kind of underlines the idea that we don't understand so many things that are going on in our lives until decades later sometimes. And more and more people who I meet who are in their 70s, it seems to be 70 seems to be that, that magic number. Somewhere around age 70, people start to look back at their lives and realize it's a movie script, you know, the way everything's put together. And I'm thinking, yep, that's what it is, all right, because you helped write it. Now, it's not like we can't change our minds as we go along, but all of the reading that I've done on the different uh, hypnotic regression and, and stories that people have told about why they're here and the lessons they want to learn, I'm a true believer that I've planned my life. And so I will take time in my meditative moments to kind of put it all together, you know, as it's happening instead of, you know, waiting till I get to be age 70. And this, this can be fun to do as well. Now we keep bringing up these near-death experiences and uh, one thing that they all, pretty much all talk about is this amazing force of love that can be found on the other side. 
And many of them, including Eben, when I first met him, said, oh, yeah, you, that kind of love. I, I asked them, well, what does it feel like? What does that love feel like? And they say, oh, you, you can't feel it here. That's only for when you get to the spiritual side. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I've generated love in my system, and I felt these amazing connections of love through the different practices that I've learned and different ways that I've um, engaged my feeling state. Uh, you have to learn kind of how to feel. I didn't, I didn't realize I didn't know how to feel because I had learned how to suppress my, uh, you know, don't cry, don't cry, you can't cry kind of thing. Okay, fine, I'll, I'll just put it inside, I won't cry. And, you know, we all do this. We, we, we mask our traumas, we mask our emotions, so we, we forget how to feel. And so this idea of feeling gratitude in my heart, I read about when I was studying um, heart math research. And are you familiar with heart math research? I am. Bit? I am. Okay. And I actually, I wanted to talk to you about this because um, you talk a lot about the heart field in the book. And, um, you know, I was over here dangling lucid dreaming, thinking this is what I wanted. And then after I read the book, I was like, okay, I need to know how to talk with whales. Like, <laughs> like, wow. You know, this feeling that you had, I was like, because I've asked that same question, how do we tap into this unconditional love that it's so incredible that they can't even put words to it. They can't even explain it because it's so amazing. And I'm like you, I'm like, okay, how do we tap into that? Like, I want to feel that. So explain what the HeartMath Institute yeah. is and also explain how you've gotten to this point to where, I mean, your heart field is amazing. Yeah, well, I'm glad, I'm, thank you for that segue. That's exactly what I wanted to make sure we, we got in here uh, because this topic is very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> and uh, the thing is, is, okay, so how, how, how will I say it based on all of that? Okay, so when I started doing, you know, you, you were mentioning mystery schools earlier. So let me just connect those dots. When I was searching for um, these alternative points of view, I learned about mystery schools. In our ancient times, there were mystery schools, and this is where you would be initiated somehow through some type of experience where you would know firsthand how the universe worked. And I wanted something like this in modern times and couldn't find it. And that's when I set on, you know, all these other classes, starting with feng shui, reiki, things like that, and all the other things you rattled off. And what, what was really, I started to notice from one practice to the next is very often the teachers would talk about the heart. They would also talk about that elusive meditation. And I didn't understand either one. And they would say, move, your, move to your heart. And I would say, move to my heart. What are you talking about? My head's up here. This is what I'm thinking. I was kind of fumbling around, you know, in all of this. And then I started to realize the heart was a huge key to all of it. Now, my favorite, favorite, uh, I, I, I like to say that pretty much all the teachers that I had contributed to this body of knowledge that I've come to kind of embody on my own. But there's, there's a couple of teachers I like to point out, and uh, Peran and Susanna Baer uh, are the ones who really taught me that heart stuff. They have an uh, organization called Institute of Applied Meditation of the Heart. They are absolutely the only people I know who focus on the heart the way they do. It's amazing. And it's based on a Sufi tradition, but they've made it very accessible to Western people. And, and Sufism is one of those, not really a religion, it's just a way of being. But at any rate, the heart was very important, and I learned about heart math. Heart math, the, the most important uh, data that I'll share with you that's relevant is that our hearts emit an electromagnetic field, and this is going on whether we realize it or not. It's If you're curious, in the shape of a torus, so it comes out the top of your head and around your body, kind of like a donut with your heart in the middle. And, and it moves and expands and contracts based on your emotional state. So if you're happy and joyous, you have a very large field. If you're angry or sad or, or irritated, you have a smaller field. But in either size of field, you're actually affecting the people around you. So someone who is paying attention to what they call coherence, which is basically that feeling of gratitude in your heart that started this whole conversation. Um, if you can find that coherent space, that means 
or find that feeling of gratitude in your heart, that means you're coherent, which means your brain is calm, your heart is calm. And when you can do this, you affect the people around you because their heart rate variability and brainwave state starts to match yours. They've done studies of couples who sleep together and find that theirs are very similar. It's very interesting. Our, we, all of us have this, I call it a tool, in the middle of our chests. And it's, it's not only affecting your state, but it's affecting the people around you. And so this idea of, develop, of feeling gratitude in the heart, developing coherence, I was very curious about how to do this. And so they say, well, feel gratitude in your heart. And I'm like, okay. And all I could do was think gratitude. Yeah. I could think of things that I was grateful for, but nothing changed in my body. I didn't feel different. And they described, as you say, it's so hard to put words to it, but like a warm kind of glow or shimmer. I, I found that words that you use to describe light are very numerous. There's radiant, there's shimmering, there's you know, uh, lustrous. Those kinds of words I've started to use to describe this feeling of love because they fit. And when you can feel that radiance or shimmering, I'll say, in your heart, that's when you're feeling that gratitude or love. And so for me, I had to search high and wide and many people, you know, you'll have memories from the past that you can draw on. For me, it was uh, remembering uh, what it was like when my mother took in a stray dog and she had puppies under my bed. I was six years old and to me, this was the most magical moment and these puppies became my immediate buddies. I was the only person that my, my dog would allow to touch the puppies when they were first born. And so to me, this was so special and magical and dogs have always been a huge part of my emotional connection to things. Dogs don't have stuff. Dogs don't have judgment. <laughs> and you could say cats and horses as well and any other domestic animal that you're able to connect with. For me, it was dogs and so puppies. That thought allowed me to tap and to regenerate this feeling inside. And as I developed this feeling, I realized, oh my gosh, this is how we tap into that love. It doesn't come from outside. It comes from inside. And it can come unbidden. I, uh, did I, tell, I don't tell this story in Living in a Mindful Universe, but I do in my new book. In the middle of kind of doing all of this, I call it spiritual boot camp, the, the several years I spent going to all of these classes. But as I was in the middle of going to all of these classes and figuring all of this out, I was driving to work one day up the 95 corridor between Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. Not a very attractive uh, highway, but at any rate, I was driving along and on the side of the road there were these trees, cherry blossoms had just started to bloom. and I. I felt connected to these trees. And I said, hello, cherry blossoms in my mind. And I also was feeling that energy of hello and appreciation for the trees as I was driving. And I felt this amazing feeling come back and encompass me. It happened again when I was driving home from work and there was a homeless man on the corner. Now they always, in Baltimore City, they would stand on the corner. I, I don't know if they do this in all cities, you know, hoping that you'll give them some money. And then normally I was like everyone else, just kind of ignoring them, you know, just drive home, let, just become indifferent. And one day I saw a guy who, was, who looked different than the usual guys. And uh, he was younger and had blonde hair. And I thought, I'm going to give this guy some money. And I don't know what prompted me, but I opened my wallet and the, the white turned red so I could stop. And I had a, a lot of denominations. And of course, most people would hand him a one, a single. And I had five, tens, and twenties. And I chose to hand this this man a $20 bill. And I handed it to him and he held it with two hands. He looked down at the $20 bill and he looked up at me and he said, thank you so much. Now I can go get something to eat. And it, I felt good, but I felt his gratitude encompassed me like I had never felt before. And I was like this little bubble of energy. Oh, there's a little kitty. All oh, this bubble of energy uh, driving down the street and my eyes were tearing up and I'm driving along thinking, good gosh, good thing I know this commute so well. And I was so moved. Now, has it, does it happen that anytime I give a homeless man some money, this will happen again? No, this was a, a very unique moment. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to give someone some money and voila, 
you know, with your mind, you have that feeling. It takes commitment, it takes practice, and I can tell you it is so, so worth it. Now, the first thing that happened when I first tapped into my heart energy, that is when I started to really um, trigger my suppressed emotional traumas. And I wasn't someone who had, you know, sexual abuse or any kind of uh, extreme physical abuse or anything like that. But boy, did I have some other issues that came up, feelings of abandonment, simply because my parents were divorced when I was seven and I didn't see my father for many years. This affected me. This was the thing that made me feel so lonely because at that moment when I was a child, when my father was no longer with us, I, my coping mechanism was... I don't need my father. So I decided I don't need the love of a father and that's okay. I'll be okay with that. And that made it very challenging to be open, to be in loving relationships as an adult. We make these decisions as children and we don't even realize how they stay with us. And so, so any practice of going within, whether it's with sacred acoustics, tones, meditation, or what have you, it really is an imperative for each of us to figure out how to Put that love back in our hearts. This is our birthright as humans. This is how our hearts work. I, I liken this to the ultimate golden rule because as you develop these loving feelings in your heart, you are affecting people around you in positive ways without having to say a word, without having to do anything except maintain your authentic, pure energy that is love. We all were made from love. The, the act of conception involves love in, in ideal situations, and love is what brings us together to, to bring forth life. We are made from love, and that energy of love is what infuses us. And one day, science will figure this out. But while we're waiting around for science to figure it out, we can start finding out for ourselves. And uh, I, I'd love to guide your readers to our free download on sacredacoustics.com. You can go to our website. Click on free download, enter your email, and we'll send you uh, a 20-minute recording that you can use to uh, see how you respond. There's many other types of sounds that we create uh, with short samples. Everyone is unique and will find something that works for them that may be different from your friend. I learned from going to all of those classes, my, my own uh, custom mystery school, that everyone responds differently. And so if you start to compare yourself to others, that can just get you you know, frustrated. And uh, so know that your way of reacting is unique and special. And so is your energy. And the more of us who decide to kind of align with that energetic part of us that's beyond our physical bodies, the more we become authentic and bring our true gifts and purpose to this world. And that's how we help others is by focusing on bringing that unique love that's within us into the physical world and uh, radiate it. And the more of us who do this, the more our world will change in positive ways. Amen. Um, yeah, I, when I read about what I was talking about a minute ago, uh, Karen has a story in the book uh, where she and Dr. Alexander and a couple of other people are in a canoe and her, she says that uh, something like, uh, oh my, my, my heart, my heart field feels tremendously large and warm. Um, I have to admit I was jealous. My cat is walking all over here. Um, I was incredibly jealous and I was like, you know, I think that what's interesting about our culture is, um, and Dr. Alexander talks about this, uh, you know, we're, we're built and you mentioned this too. We're built to be quite stoic. We're built to uh, not show our emotions because it's weakness. And, uh, I loved what Dr. Alexander said in the book. He said, I can think my way through anything <laughs> because that's kind of how we're all raised and, and not to wear our heart on our sleeves. And I think what's so important about, um, getting out of our head and into our heart is this idea that it is our direct line to God. It's our direct line to our source because our emotions are how we connect to our higher selves. And the patriarchal way has really been like, no, we can think our way through it. Um, but as you said, our heart field is so much greater and, and more expanded. And you talk about in the book how it really correlates with a, a larger heart field is 
uh, joy and happiness and gratitude and a constricted field is greed and hate and shame. And I think it's so great that you've been able to uh, learn this. I'm, I'm doing this now. I'm, I'm just trying to be a lot more open with my emotions. And I actually, um, the uh, gal that works with me, Deborah, I had texted her uh, after reading this and I had texted her and I said, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you and adore you and, and thank you for all that you do. And she texts back, how much have you been drinking? <laughs> And um, so, but that's yeah, glad you brought up animals because I've been so, so engrossed in this recent book and those stories were in that book. But yeah, that whale, I, I learned how to connect with animals in uh, uh, animal communication courses. I took several of them and that's one definitely they, they were, they would say, connect with your heart. And I didn't know what that meant. And I just pretended like I was connecting with my heart and that works. You just Pretend you're connecting with your heart. Whatever that is for you, that's your imagination and that's your consciousness that has an effect over what happens. And so pretending that you're connecting with your heart was actually amazingly good advice. Our imaginations are very powerful. Even Einstein said, imagination is everything and knowledge is nothing. Knowledge is what we learn in books. Imagination is what we kind of are inspired by what we connect to. And so if you're just regurgitating what other people have said, you're not really touching that inspired part of you. And animals, I'm so glad you brought that up because in uh, it was also Healing Touch for Animals where I learned to measure the heart uh, chakras of animals. You can do it for humans too. You hold a, a pendulum, is just a little weight on a string. You hold it in front of that energy center, uh, say your heart or your third eye and your forehead. And when you uh, see how much that, that pendulum swings, you know if your uh, energy center is constricted or not. And so very interestingly with animals, when you, I measured the chakras of horses and dogs, and when you measure their heart field, almost never do you find them constricted. This is the absolute opposite of humans, where very often the heart chakra is the one that's constricted. Animals don't have a linguistic center. Animals don't have a little voice in their head telling them they're not good enough or, you know, what someone thinks of them or, or what will people say or whatever it is. And so they actually have an advantage. And so this is how you connect with animals. You do it through your feeling state. And when I would take these courses, of course, I would get um, messages and words in my mind. But that's just because the, the other thing heart math teaches you is that your heart is actually gathering information out in the world and then sending it to the brain. The heart actually sends more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. So I always thought that the brain was in charge of everything. Turns out the heart has quite a large say, but it's just the brain that, dis, that figures out what words to put to it. And that's where we can get into trouble. That's where these beliefs, these limiting beliefs can really get in our way. And so, you know, I'll just give you a quick example of a limiting belief. When I was learning to meditate, this is also in the book, I used to say, I can't meditate. I'm one of those people who can't meditate. And sure enough, that's what would happen. And I, then I realized consciously, oh my gosh, I'm just reinforcing that belief that I can't meditate by saying that to myself all the time. And so I started to change that, as you called it, I think, self-talk. And so I started to change that. Every time I would notice, that was my observer noticing, that my thought was saying, I can't meditate, I would change it. And my observer would say, no, change that. And I would change, nope, I can meditate. Even though I couldn't, I started to tell myself I could. And I find that with uh, intention, that's a beautiful way to set intentions, even to simplify to just one word. If you're working on a project and you wish to manifest success in your project, Imagine that feeling of success in connection with your project and keep imagining it. Keep feeling that state of, of success. That is how you start to make change, by changing your internal vibrations and the rest of the world seems to follow. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought up um, the idea of meditation because I think that um, a lot of people, I was so resonating when you, with you when you were saying that. And you're like, well, my back hurts when I do it. I'm like, mine does too. <laughs> but I think that um, 
one of the things that you have in here, and I wanted to read this because I think for those who are listening today, uh, you may have, you know, said to yourself, oh, I can't meditate either. Or, you know, I've done those workshops and I don't feel anything. And, and uh, Karen shares this on page 118. And I, I thought that this was um, really important. I think you were at a meditation retreat and Karen's reports, she was writing down uh, that it seems that everybody else, it, this, the other students were having just amazing experiences. And when she was comparing her own, uh, they were leaving her in distress. And Karen says, sometimes as I sit, it feels like a chore to get through. I wish for it to feel like a pleasure to take these moments to myself. I long for a profound spiritual moment. Hallelujah. I seem to have profound moment envy. I mean, I so resonated with that. Profound moment envy. I was like, yes, because I've had those moments where I go to a workshop or I'm meditating. And I, I, I did it a little bit too with sacred acoustics. Um, I think it's in love, uh, love body that you say to envision, you, you actually say like hold uh, gratitude in your heart based on an animal. And, um, you know, I, I did that and I didn't have an experience and I was like, well, all the reviews on the website, some people have had, you know, out of body experiences and they're having love and they're, I didn't get that. And then I read this and I was like, Oh, I've had that too. So I want to say too, one of the, the good things I've got six of the audios, but one of the things that I love about it is in all of the verbal versions, that's immediately what you do is you have everybody go to their heart center. You've got us breathing. Uh, sometimes it's through the top of our head. Sometimes it's through the bottom of our feet, but you are putting us in our heart um, but I wanted to read that because I think that, uh, there are a lot of people out there that have tried, whether it's meditation, lucid dreaming, astral travel, whatever that it is, we're all going to have a different experience and it's all going to happen at a different time. So I'm so glad that you shared that and that you've gone through all of these things and you still experienced frustration. Oh God. Yes. I experienced everything you just said, uh, you know, people describing their experiences. Well, I want that. Well, I want that. And I, the more, here's the thing. I, I did eventually have amazingly profound experiences. And I think everyone will, if they put in the time, but what's so funny is, you know, just like you, I was like, I want that. I want that. And the more I wanted it, the more elusive it was. And mm -hmm. it really was when I actually surrendered that it's things really started to happen. I, mean, I had plenty of uh, little things that kept me going, but the biggest experiences came when I was just like, forget it, I'm done. This is just forget it. You know, probably with some expletives in there that I'm not gonna share. <laughs> why, why bother, right? And so uh, that it was in those surrender moments, the actual surrender, not a pretend surrender, but an actual surrender that you can't manufacture that's when things really started to happen. You could, you could probably, uh, it's really trying to find that balance between, you know, really wanting something to happen and setting in an intention and then that expectation of how that should show up. Really balancing intention with expectation is really important. And we need to start to celebrate the small things that happen. So, for example, I was at an animal communication class and I think I got that the dog had a blue ball or something and I, I thought it was ridiculous, but the person was, I was right, it was a blue ball. And, and I was like, oh my God, and, and I was trying to act cool, you know, with the other students. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And inside I'm going, holy crap, I did it. And that is so important because the more we start to validate ourselves with the small things, that's when we start to gain the confidence and the knowing that it's available to all of us. And, you know, Kevin Cossey, he is my partner in Sacred Acoustics. And I write about him a little bit in Chapter 9 when we met and how we kind of started all of this. But he and I, you talked about that little club at the beginning. I should mention what that was. Kevin Cossey, I met uh, at a, I had already taken, you know, all of these courses and uh, he was 
and I was exploring sound. That was another uh, course to take, and he was as well. And uh, he told me that he wanted to make his own binaural beats one day. That's what this brainwave entrainment technology contains, is binaural beats. And I said, um, well, I have everything that exists on the market, you know, because I bought it all, and I'd love to hear what you make when you're ready. And I think when he heard that I had everything that was on the market already, he thought, oh my gosh, uh, that could be useful. So we kind of started this partnership where I would send him, I was living in Baltimore at the time, he was in New York, I would send him these recordings and he would take them apart and we, we, he would share a Skype screen and together we figured out how it all was working. He was driving it more, he's a mechanical electrical engineer with that kind of mind and I'm more the uh, packaging everything else kind of thing for sake. I actually do everything for sacred acoustics except for making uh, the recordings. Uh, the, the audio tones, but I do record the, the voice and edit that anyway. Uh, at any rate, we were uh, just doing this for fun, he and I, and we were taking apart other people's work and putting it back together. This is in, in what we thought was better ways. This is why we don't share those with other people, because when we were learning, we were using other people's recordings. We were copy and pasting to create journeys just for our own use. We didn't really at the time think about making them available to other people. We met Eben Alexander about a year into this process, and he was exploring sound as a way to kind of re-experience uh, the realms he encountered during his MBE. And he had found that this type of sound was very useful. And so he was the first person we invited to let listen to it. And he was blown away. And that's when, after Proof of Heaven came out, because this all happened before Proof of Heaven came out, he said, I want you to help me teach people how to do this. And you guys got to make these recordings available so that people have tools. And that's when we really started to do this uh, more for other people. And everything in our recordings now is 100% is uh, original. There is no copying. But in the beginning, that's how we learned. And uh, it was really interesting to see how other people did it because very often people ask us, well, how is yours different from so-and-so's? And I'm able to tell them because I, I looked at many of them. So very interesting uh, how we then eventually made it available to other people, came up with the sacred acoustics name. And then sure enough, Evan and I started teaching. Another thing that Evan said when we first met, uh, not only did I get confusion about why he learned science concepts during his near-death experience rather than a spiritual concept. I also, uh, he also told me, he said, well, one day you and I are going to travel the world and we'll be on stage with, you know, together teaching people this. And I told him, you are a nut. I will never be on a stage with anyone doing anything of the sort because I don't do that. I don't speak publicly. That's not what I do. I, I, I hate it and I won't do it. And so one day um, in our local town, uh, he got asked to do a workshop and he wanted that experiential element and he put my name on the flyer and uh, I was kind of forced to show up and say a few words. And uh, ever since then, it's all kind of surprisingly come very naturally. Uh, little trial and error on what to say to whom, but you know, Dr. Alexander has such an amazing story. It's almost larger than life. And the fact that he's a Harvard neurosurgeon puts him in this great esteem in many people's minds. And so to be some girl that no one's ever heard of, come up and speak after him was very intimidating. And uh, it took some trial and error and practice. But I think now I've kind of uh, figured out the things that people want to hear from me and uh, we make it work. He's kind of the science guy and I'm the spirit girl and uh, somehow science and spirituality need to come together and so we're really kind of a living example of how that can happen yeah i i think one of the i mean his story is is incredible um so is anita's and i mean there's many others um but i think that you know it, it is pretty spectacular to hear a neurosurgeon say that they're a speck of awareness on a butterfly it's like wait what <laughs> um but i wanted to share this because i think it really kind of solidifies um the journey of what sacred acoustics is about this is from page 110 and the paragraph starts off with other means of create connecting with the finer aspects of consciousness 
are techniques, sacred acoustics, that reduce as much as possible the steady stream of sensory information that ties us down to the supreme illusion. By reducing the visual, auditory, and tactile stimuli that bombard us every waking minute, we are able to connect with a more collective mind. And I thought that was such a, a beautiful way to say that um, I too, oh my gosh, your journey and my journey are so paralleled. I've listened to so many. Some of my first ones were from Kelly Howell from way back in the day of hers, um, her sounds. And one of the things that I love about sacred acoustics is there's just, um, there's a finesse to them. There's a, they're softer, like some of Kelly's had like growling in them and crickets and, you know, like yours are just softer. They, they seem a lot more sophisticated. Um, I, I like listening to them. The first time that I ever listened to love body, I cried. I couldn't figure out why I was crying. Like, I'm just going to let it flow. Um, but I think what has been, um, I haven't had any like crazy, out of body experiences or anything like that. But, um, and I, when you and I first started emailing, I was telling you that some of the experiences that I have had are focus. I've been a lot more focused and synchronicities, like weird little synchronicities have popped up in my life. Um, I've had a couple of situations where if it's like on a weekend and I just, I have, you know, this sense of, I have nothing to do, uh, I'll get a vision that pops in my head and I don't know what it is, but later I'll find out what it meant. So little things like that. And so I, I'm starting to see things kind of opening up. Dreams have gotten a lot more clearer for me. So I think what's so great about this paragraph, uh, again, it's on page 110, is like you, the way that you've put sacred acoustics together is it really does kind of shut out all the external noise and all of that beta egoic brain thinking and just kind of helps relax you. And even in the um, uh, heart presence, I think is the one where it's got reflect and um, focus and it's got like little 20 minute ones. Even if you can only get one of the 20 minute ones in and sometimes that's all I can get in in the morning, um, even those have profound effects. Like I just feel calmer. And uh, it, it now when I put them on, whereas it may take me in the, when I first started 20 minutes to really get into it. Now it's like your voice comes on and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm in it. Um, and I don't, I can't say that with other binaural beats that I've listened to in the past that they had the same kind of effect. So I think you guys have really tapped into something. Um, I can tell you that they're not just straight binaural beats in there, and that's the difference that you're hearing. Kevin has developed a technique over the years that's become even more sophisticated, um, where he actually combines monaural beats. And I can't explain exactly how he does it, because that would give away the, the, the technique, but we call it neural helix, just to distinguish it from other types of binaural beats, because they're not just straight binaural beats. You can get binaural beats apps where you can say, give me a six hertz tone with rain behind it. Yeah, you can do that. But ours will have, you know, six different six hertz tones with different carriers and other sound effects, also all harmonic with whatever other tones are in there. And Kevin is actually quite a master at this. It's, uh, you know, he, he, every single creation we make is a separate composition. These aren't just, you know, cobbled together with throw in a few binaural beats with some sound effects. They're, they're very, they are very sophisticated with a lot of um, very precise mathematical formulas. And that's what makes it easy for Kevin is because he has that math mind. Music is math. And uh, we are very excited actually about a recording that's not quite out yet. Uh, but we talk about it in Living in a Mindful Universe, the Fibonacci series, or 5.6 ratio. And the Fibonacci series is the numbers that come. This ratio was discovered by I don't know how many people, but certainly Leonardo da Vinci with the Vesuvian man, he noticed the proportions of that Fibonacci, that 1.6. And uh, many, many people have been fascinated with this because that ratio is founded 
in nature over and over and over and over again. So whether it's how a galaxy is formed or what a pine cone looks like or a sunflower or, you know, how things behave in nature, that ratio comes up again and again. And so we created a recording. I have, from the beginning, wanted to uh, inspire Kevin to create something using that ratio. And we've done it over and over again and not been successful. We now have found a successful formula and we will be soon releasing, maybe by the time this is uh, published, this podcast, uh, something called Primordial Mind. And it is absolutely uh, all based on that Fibonacci uh, theories, those numbers, that ratio that's found in nature. And to us, this makes the, the utmost logical sense that you would want to use sounds that follow the ratio that nature was constructed by. I've always been fascinated by sacred geometry and uh, all kinds of other things out in the world, symbols and uh, crop circles and you know, things found on ancient sacred sites and all of those things, pretty much you end up coming back to this bi-ratio and uh, sacred geometry. So we're very excited that we finally figured that out. In fact, we figured it out so well that there will be a series of recordings that utilize these tones. One of them will be called primordial heart and another one will be called primordial sleep. You know, a lot of people write to us about lucid dreaming. They want to know what tones, and you've brought it up enough that it, uh, probably, it's probably worth mentioning, which tones will help me with lucid dreaming. And what we found is, is we tried to make a recording, and we had a, a bunch of testers who would listen to it, and we could never reliably produce a recording that would make people, uh, that would affect people's dreams in a consistent fashion. So I'm the one who's always been reluctant to release something that has that implicit promise of enhancing your dreams. Because if it doesn't, you know, you're, you're messed up. But people have told us that Heart Center, that Earth on the Foundation Series, and several others have helped them with dreaming. And so whether they have better recall or whether they actually go into lucid dreaming. One way to do it is to listen at bedtime with that intention. There's other lucid dreaming techniques out there. I learned how to do it. There's little light things you can get and all kinds of things. Um, but you could also, when you wake up in the middle of the night maybe and can't fall back asleep, put on one of these recordings. I once listened to one on repeat for about three hours. I didn't realize until I woke up. I had a, a lucid dream during that time that felt like it lasted about two days. And I knew I was dreaming. Yeah, it was wild. And uh, that was really cool. Now, you know, you talk about this pre, uh, profound moment envy, experience envy. And of course, I had it when I heard those things. I wanted all those things to happen. Now that many of them have happened to me, what I'm realizing is those kinds of things are really just the glamour. They're just the glamour. Like, I don't, I can get out of my body and I can astrally travel, but it's not something that I think is uh, useful and helpful in my daily life. And it was uh, very cool to prove to myself that I could do it. And yet, I'm more interested in how do I bring that spiritual energy into my life rather than escape to that spiritual energy, which is what I always thought meditation was, where you go inside and you know, the monks have to commit 10,000 hours before they're considered, you know, good enough and you live in a cave and take yourself out of the world. Well, I had a daughter to raise and a job to do and, you know, people to see and movies to go to, you know, how do you bring a spiritual life into a, a modern, busy Western lifestyle? And that is what I've tried to do is how do I bring those kinds of things in? Because lucid dreaming and out of body and all of these kind of really cool things that can happen, or even in NDE, they're very cool. But to me, it's more about aligning with my purpose of why I am here in this physical world. And that, I believe, is where the most meatiness came from all of that uh, spiritual boot camp, as I called it. Surprisingly to me, I wanted to do the, you know, by location, astral travel, all of that. But when at the end of the day, what was most valuable to me are the things you're talking about, the synchronicities, the alignment, the dealing with my relationships, finding my purpose, changing my life. That is what all of those kinds of things have done for me. And so the other, it's useful and fun, but it's not necessarily the meat, the juice of, you know, filling your spiritual matter.
Well, I'm really glad that you shared that. Thank you, because I think that that's something that the audience needs to hear. Um, you know, I've definitely had many workshops that I've gone to where profound moments have happened. And I do think that um, at the end of the day, it really is about just, you know, for me, as I've gotten older, I think the thing that has become the most important is just the overall feeling of joy and gratitude every day, like really experiencing and enjoying the journey rather than that destination, like really trying to get to where uh, that end goal is, whatever that is, which is probably, you brought it up, it's that egoic thing of, well, I want to know that I can do it, you know? <laughs> but I think that... Um, you know, uh, if you're listening to this today, I would absolutely recommend um, the foundation series. My favorite is Blue. I try mm -hmm. not to constantly listen to that one, but Blue and Portal are by far my favorites. Um, I tend to listen to those uh, the most. I just got uh, the Light Body and Event Horizon. Um, I love Light Body. I think Light Body is fantastic. Um, I've had a little bit of uh, difficulty with Event Horizon. Um, I have found that I've gotten fidgety and I'm trying to explore that as to why things are popping up, like what it's doing to my energy to make me kind of like, I can't sit still and I'm like, ooh, what is this about? <laughs> you know, so yeah, uh, yeah. barking some um, curiosity, but um, I definitely, I, I'm so, I am heartfelt that you said yes to this interview today. Um, and thank you for the book. It was, you know, I, I sat down and I literally read it in two days. I just was devouring it because, you know, I, I was enjoying it so much and it has oh, so well, I, I should tell your listeners that if they are interested in that book, we also have a companion, um, email course. I don't know if you know about that. It's actually on ebenalexander.com and uh, you can find it on the homepage or ebenalexander.com slash 33 days. You go there, you find a little information out about it, but we'll, if you sign up, we'll send you an email each day for 33 days that is a kind of a nugget, a little snippet of a topic from the book. So it's a, a, an actual companion to the book and um, but you don't have to read the book if, if you don't want to. Every concept will be delivered each day at, along with a practice, an actual thing you can do to you know, make that concept meaningful in your life, not just read about it. And the, the really cool thing about it is that thousands of people, more than 6,000 people have taken this course and they've, they've left their comments. And uh, there's beautiful comments of people sharing their experiences, of asking and answering each other's questions. Not everyone who's taken the course leaves a comment, but for those of us, including myself, <laughs> who usually don't like to leave comments, it's a very fun to read through all of that. And you realize that there's many people around the world who are uh, in, interested in these types of topic, topics and taking steps to bring these experiences into their lives. And the course does include several uh, sacred acoustics recordings. So um, hopefully you'll all... Uh, sign up for that and, and learn some things. And yeah, yeah, I'll be sure to um, include that in, in our show notes. And then also um, the sample recording that Karen was talking about. I, you know, again, I have listened to so many of these types of audios over the years. I've purchased so many. I'm so old that they used to be on CDs and tapes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have them on cassette tapes. Yeah, so cassette tapes, there's probably kids on here going, what is that? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, they they are very sophisticated. They're, they're very beautifully done. Um, Karen's voice is very hypnotic as you're listening to it. You, you get us into our heart field. Uh, I'm definitely addicted. I love them. Um, and, you know, you had sent uh, an updated uh, email to me just, you know, hey, how's it going? And are you enjoying them? And I was like, I want you on the show. <laughs> so thank you for doing this. Uh, you know, thank you for your time today. I, uh, I, the, the book inspired so many um, really great 
topics and questions and uh, like you said, topics that really need to start getting talked about and uh, explored and, and more of the, the woo side of things that I always, I always call them the woo-woo um, as opposed to the hard science. Like we've tried the hard science, it's not working. So let's, <laughs> let's go over well, here. I'd like, I'd like to just share one more model since, since uh, you kind of brought that up. And it, earlier you brought, you brought up the patriarchal way. And I, another way to look at this is that our world is out of balance. And as you say, the science, hard science hasn't worked. You could also look at this as kind of a masculine feminine energy balance, which is very much in that feng shui world, you know, the yin and the yang, you need both to be whole. And so we've, one way to do this, to think of this is that masculine energy is very external energy and feminine energy is very internal. And so we've spent the last however many centuries pretty much ignoring the internal world as if it isn't important. In fact, it's, people say it's really irrelevant and that it's all about the physical world. This is very masculine. And so it's easy to say men, women, but masculine energy really does run our world, not just men. And that energy that women do it too. We all look at the external world for our answers. And when we can pay more attention to that internal world, when the internal world starts to kind of become balanced with that external world, that's when we'll start to feel like we're getting somewhere. And so you're absolutely correct. Science alone will not get us to the answers. And our world, it's reflected on our world right now. Look at the turmoil around us. Doesn't it feel like we're in more turmoil than ever? And so the more of us who start to fix that internal world, the reflection of the external world will start to fall into place. Amen. Start yeah. with sacred acoustics. <laughs> All right. Uh, Karen, again, thank you so much for your time today. I, um, I, I appreciate you so much for giving us so much time. Um, and, and sharing with my audience just all of these amazing concepts that I, I think more and more people should explore. If they're interested in learning more about Sacred Acoustics and you and, and maybe your new book, where should they go? Sacredacoustics.com. I will uh, absolutely, when the book has any traction, we'll, we'll put something on it. Um, I'm on, actually also, keep your eye out. If you go to Sacred Acoustics, I'm almost completely finished with... Um, Three, I call them little books that are going to be called uh, Becoming More Whole, Mind, Heart, Spirit. And they actually will give you some, a lot of tips and tricks on how to settle the mind, how to activate the heart, and how to become more spiritual. Each of those areas using sacred acoustics recordings or any other recordings that you may find that, that work better for you. But it's going to be really amazing advice that we get asked on a regular basis. So I'm really taking frequently asked questions and putting them into these books so that people have them from day one um, to answer all their concerns. There's also a, a series of free what I call training videos on sacredacoustics.com that address many of these kind of basic information and common concerns. So yes. Everyone can dive in and you don't have to spend money. If you have money, awesome. Go spend some money. If you don't, that shouldn't stop you. It's free recordings, free videos, free 33-day email course, and you will get something out of it. So I encourage all of your listeners to check it out. Do you happen to know the title of your new book yet? Well, I'm calling it The Ultimate Golden Rule, The Pathway to Becoming More Whole. So, but I don't know. Publishers have a way of... Uh, putting their own stamp on things. <laughs> <laughs> is it coming out this year or next? I don't know. My agent is just now shopping it to publishers. It's just on my mind because I finished writing it, you know, a couple months ago. So. Phew. <laughs> yes. But anyway, it actually, I was, uh, I was last summer working on these little books that I was just telling you about, Mind, Heart, Spirit, and the, the idea for the uh, other book came through. So I just, had to do that first, and now I'm returning to the other little books, and I think that that's really the order they needed to happen, and uh, hopefully that, that book will get out to the public soon, because I think it'll help a lot of parents and people who are dealing with uh, substance abuse and these kind of things in general, so. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Karen. Um, 
their new book is called Living in a Mindful Universe. It's Dr. Eben Alexander and also Karen Newell. Uh, we talked a lot about Dr. Alexander today. He has uh, Proof of Heaven and Map of Heaven, which are both fantastic books uh, that explain about um, his near-death experience and, and what he's been through. Um, but I highly encourage all of you to use Sacred Acoustics. Um, I've listened to a lot of audios over the years and they're by far some of the best. And I mean, I think, I think they're just great to just get you out of your headspace and just relax. And they're just lovely to listen to. So thank you for your gift to the world and what you're giving back to it. Cause I think this matters. Well, thank you, Amanda. And thank you for your many years of spreading this kind of information and knowledge to your listeners. Very valuable. And we are all doing this together. It's a team effort. So thank you. Lightworkers unite. <laughs> well, I hope that after listening to both part one and part two, that you are starting to get inspired by our gratitude month. I'm hoping to encourage more kindness and compassion and to share your energy with the world in a softer way, in an above the cross way. There's a reason why I talk about above and below the cross emotions. And it's because I'm trying to help people to raise their vibe and to get into frequencies that are closer to our home state and closer to our truest being of who we really are, where we come from. I mean, we are of love, from love, we're made of love. And unfortunately, we have this software installed in us called the ego, where we get caught up in a lot of the things that don't matter, that don't serve us. In fact, it's been said that this is one of the only planets that actually has negativity and violence. So I think that says something. So I encourage all of you to go out today and spread kindness around and be kind to a stranger, give back. And, you know, if you've worked with me, if you are a client of mine, I often have um, in their homework is a part of doing good deeds every day for 27 days. And it's because it elevates your heart space, it elevates your vibe, and it also gets you into a space of gratitude. All right, everyone, I hope that you have enjoyed this show today. Don't forget, you need to uh, register for Feng Shui 101 by next Wednesday. If that's something that you're interested in, head on over to my website at gatesinteriordesign.com. The button is at the top. If you're going to be here in Nashville, come join me on May 19th at Half Moon Yoga to learn how to read your floor plan. We're also going to talk about the top five disruptors, and I'd love to see you. All right, everyone, if you want any more information, you know where to find the website. You can reach out to us at let's chat at thegatescompany.com. If you're interested in a floor plan reading, have comments or any of that good stuff, be sure to head on over to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a comment. And of that, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.